0: what a week it's been gorgeous weather and only 74 fruit trees to plant welcome to longleaf breeze beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles approaching but never reaching subsistence it's got to be fun while we're doing it and we don't make allness statements and now lee and amanda borden
1: Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of February the 16th, 2011. We are in full scale planting mode on our orchard expansion, and we're having a ball.
0: That's right. The weather has been so cooperative. After, I think we talked last week about how devastating all the rains were that came and washed away uh, the soil that had been cleared. You got out there with the box blade and smoothed it out, and it looks a lot better. Um, and has allowed us to get out there with the uh, auger and drill holes in the soil and begin to put out some of the trees, a task which we need to finish in the next couple of days.
1: Exactly, and that's that's really our plan. As soon as we finish dealing with the podcast this morning, we will be back out there planting trees. And uh, we've got it down to a pretty good science, which we'll talk about in a moment. But I I realized we've not taken time here on the podcast to describe the methodology we're using in the orchard. So I thought it would be worthwhile for us to take just a second and um, describe how we're approaching the whole process of orcharding out there.
0: And we also need to mention uh, that some of the 74 trees are going in slightly different locations. For example, we've already put 10 blueberry bushes out in uh, you know, separate from the other trees. so
1: And separate so that we can maintain uh, highly acidic soil for them.
0: Right. They like that.
1: Well, we're using a high-density approach to the orchard where uh, many people would put trees, fruit trees, on 20-foot spacing, say, or something like that. Yeah. We're using trellised rows 12 feet apart and we're packing the trees onto the trellis so we get many more trees into the same amount of space and we'll probably keep them smaller than most people's fruit trees. I guess the real question we're facing now is what to plant on the orchard floor. Petals from the past, which is a good model for us to follow in many respects, uses centipede as their primary orchard floor grass and we've talked about doing that the difficulty I have with centipede is that it adds no biomass it fixes no nitrogen it's it just sits there and keeps the soil from washing
0: which would be good yeah there's nothing wrong with
1: doing that it's just our hope is that we can find an orchard floor grass that will accomplish more build some biomass fix some nitrogen so we're thinking some form of clover in all likelihood will be our primary orchard floor grass. But that's really a work in progress.
0: Yeah, I hope you'll do some more research on that. Otherwise, I'm ready to plant some grass and get on with it. I understand. <laughs> Just to we keep it from washing. Uh,
1: and, and it bears repeating mm-hmm. that we certainly will uh, put down ryegrass here. In, in the short run. Right? We're here in the middle of February, and there's no clover that I know of that's going to take here in the middle of February, we need to get something down quick. Right. Yeah. So uh, uh, without uh, doubt, what mm-hmm. we know we will plant right now is ryegrass.
0: Yeah, but uh, then we, you know, can come back later and amend that with something else or add it. Well, um, you want to talk a little bit about the auger that you Borrowed from your brother that does such a fantastic job of digging. Just our the favorite right
1: new toy. Yeah,
0: just the right size hole for our our trees.
1: First, let me describe how we planted the first few fruit trees we planted. We have you always last year. owned, last year. yeah, last year. Last uh, we have always owned an auger, and we're grateful for it. Oh, it's yeah. a really nice tool to have. It's a nine-inch bit. And you can poke a hole in almost any soil with that auger. And um, it does, the. you know, it's great to have. What we did last year when we wanted to dig the size hole you need for a fruit tree, which is really more like a foot and a half, two feet wide, is we would poke three holes with the auger and then connect them with the shovel. Right? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah,
0: that was about right. To make it the right size.
1: And invariably, Mm -hmm. one of the three holes would drift Mm -hmm. into one of the other holes, so we would end up having to finish more of the process manually. Uh, We have borrowed my brother Dave Gray's flared auger this year. It starts out with a bit that's probably about the same size, maybe nine inches in diameter, but then it flares to a foot and a half in diameter. Mm -hmm. So you end up with a hole that's big enough for a fruit tree just from the auger, and boy, is that nice.
0: Yeah, it's been a lot easier.
1: We've loved using that auger. We are able to dig holes and plant trees much faster than we were last year, um, which worked fine until I uh, hit that water line down there on... The last draw.
0: <laughs> I remember what a sick feeling I had as I watched the auger. It hadn't even gone all the way down into the ground. I mean, you know, he'd gone maybe,
1: I don't know, a foot, a maybe. foot,
0: yeah. And as you brought it back up, I saw something that was, you know, that a line extending from it that was coming up out of the ground, and uh, it's sort of like an earthquake. or something. I don't know. Anyway, I thought, okay. Quickly, isn't that where it used? To, we had is that where we had a water line buried? <laughs> Before
1: you, dear listener, condemn me for not knowing what the hell I'm doing when it comes to water lines, let me explain what happened. When you put in a water line, you've got a mental picture of where it runs, and I've got a pretty good mental picture of those water lines. I even shot a videotape showing exactly where the water lines run. The difficulty is that when we cleared all that area for the orchard, we obliterated all the landmarks, and I completely lost my bearings about where that water line had been. I had it mentally in my mind, well, that's redundant, I had it mentally about 12 feet to the south of where it Mm. actually was. Yeah. So I thought we were in great shape, you know. I thought we were well away from the water line until I saw the same thing you did. Saw this little scratch, saw the line wiggling in the dirt down the way, and realized, oh no!
0: But um, the good news is, you appear. It appears you did not uh, puncture that line.
1: We did not puncture the line, and now I, we did damage it. So what I did is cut out the damaged portion and route the line around the portion where it intersected with the uh, line of fruit trees. So we're back in business now and um, are underway planting trees. uh, Talk a little bit about what we did yesterday and what we hope to do today.
0: Okay, well, the day before that, as I mentioned, I planted uh, 10 blueberries. 10
1: blueberries up on the blueberry line. Up on the blueberry
0: line, and then yesterday we uh, and and the day before we had already uh dug a lot of the holes we didn't finish them all by any means but we did a lot of the augering and so we decided yesterday just to make sure we before we augered the rest of the holes for the entire orchard that that it was really working out our plan was working out when we started putting the trees in so we planted Twelve blackberry plants, I believe.
1: Twelve uh, thorny. Thorny and two
0: uh, thornless, and then we have some more thornless that we've ordered um, that'll be coming in later. We can and add. Those don't
1: count in the seventy-four. So. No, those
0: don't count in the seventy-four. <laughs> um, and an apple tree that doesn't count in the seventy-four, but that's a whole other that we can talk about that on another podcast. But anyway, so we have the fourteen blackberries that we put in, um, three plum trees and two peaches, two peach trees, and um, you know the the peach and plum trees have much larger roots of course so that was a little bit more um, daunting a task but you know we were up to it we got those in Um, and of course you had several phone calls and uh, sessions and things yesterday that kept you from working the entire day but we're hoping now that we have another nice day stretching ahead of us to Start with our persimmon trees. We have six of those. Six it? persimmons. Six persimmons to put out. And
1: we have 16 muscadines. Um, and I think it's entirely possible for us, in fact, I think it's probable we'll get the six persimmons and the 16 muscadines.
0: Planted. And then maybe even some apples and pears. And
1: maybe even some apples and pears. I mean, that'd so be nice. It, it should be a good planting day. Today. And then we
0: have ahead of us some pomegranates and fig trees that we plan to plant. Um, in a non trellised fashion up uh, separate from the others. So we've got those to do too.
1: Between the lodge site and the barn, we are planting uh, pomegranates and figs and uh, that, you know, we'll, we already own them and we got to get them in the ground as well. Um, so we have our work cut out for yeah. us, but we've got great weather. God is cooperating. Mm-hmm. and So uh, we're going to make the most of it.
0: Yeah. And so, um, Oh, and I guess I should mention that the other day I planted 18 strawberries that we had, uh, these are plants that I had also, that we had bought from Petals from the Past.
1: That's on Row 11 on Veg on Hill. On Veg Hill, right. And uh, that's, we're, we still have some strawberries from last year that we are hoping made we're it hoping. through the winter okay. Yeah, they've got a
0: little green around them. I mean, some of them look better than others, but I'm optimistic that we haven't lost any of them. But these new ones I think will be, will be good. And I've gotten out there and gradually gotten them mulched.
1: Now, looking ahead, uh, assuming that we are so fortunate as to be able to get the trees planted in short order, and by short order I mean within the next two to three days, then I guess the next step is to get some ryegrass seed down.
0: Yes, and some of that, you know, we've got landscape erosion cloth if we need to use it we've got that landscape and we
1: have erosion erosion fencing, fencing. the, the yeah. silt fencing that is designed to go in to deal with our erosion issues so uh, all of that uh, goes in after the trees are planted then we will um, be turning our attention to drip irrigation
0: mm-hmm. you've ordered that i was, that, I was you? on the yeah. phone
1: with robin robbins at uh, irrigation mart yesterday and it looks like we're going to settle on a uh, different approach for the orchard from what we have used on Veg Hill. What we used on Veg Hill is drip tape with emitters every 12 inches. What Robin is recommending and what I'm getting ready to order for the orchard is called drip hose. It's really designed to last for many years mm-hmm. as opposed to three three years or so for the yeah. drip tape. And um, it has emitters at on a 24 inch spacing. which does away with the need to insert little doodads for the emitters. Everything is in line and built into the hose, which I think is an advantage. One, it's easier to deal with, and two, it should be more durable. Yeah. One of the primary complaints that we hear from people who have put in drip irrigation systems is the, the little emitters break off and yeah, and once an emitter breaks and you're spewing water, then you're sort of dead in the dead in the water. Yeah, you're, dead in the you're, water. You're toast <laughs> until you have figured out how to stop that leak. Yeah. Well, with this, you know, the inline emitters, that um, doesn't mean they would never spring a leak, but they the leaks are less likely. Yeah. So. yeah, good. And then we've got the deer fence that needs to come in behind that, and uh, then we will be talking about, talking about building the trellis. And stringing the trellis. The trellis will be all based on treated yellow pine posts with one-eighths inch galvanized aircraft cable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Some of the trellis will be one one line, like the muscadines. It'll be one line, and everything stays on that. Most of them are two line. Uh, the apples, pears, peaches, plums, and persimmons will be on. Uh, will have lines at four feet and seven feet. And the blackberries will have lines at three feet and five feet.
0: Okay, good. We'll get that done. Then, right now, those plants are so small, there's nothing to, they don't need to be trellised. But
1: Yeah, we were talking about yeah. the fact that when you look down from the lodge site at the orchard for the first couple of years, what you're going to see is a bunch of treated yellow pine posts and <laughs> lines. Yeah. You're not going to see much trees, at least at first. But we have... Hope that we're optimistic they'll get big and yeah. and visual and and will be really pretty.
0: I think they will be, and so Dave Gray's coming back for another run with his bulldozer too, right?
1: He's coming back. We're not quite sure when because you and I are planning to be gone all day Saturday for a um, grafting party.
0: I know at uh, Auburn
1: of... Oaks, Pat Dye's uh, Japanese Maple Sanctuary. And we're going to learn all about grafting Japanese maples, not so much so we can grow Japanese maples, but on the theory that if you know how to graft Japanese maples, you can graft just about anything. Isn't that
0: what our friend Dr. Bill Shell says? He says, if you, can, if you can do that, if you can do Japanese maple grafting, you can handle fruit trees.
1: But boy, did we have a great day on Saturday with Dave Gray's bulldozer. Um, let me see if I can run through what we did. We... Uh, did some a lot of clearing out south of the orchard, and we now have this beautiful view of the valley.
0: Oh, yes, that's a bonus to all of this.
1: Um, and for the first time, we expect to have a beautiful view even in the summertime, which is great. Um, we cut a new trail. On uh, the northwest corner of the property, which is probably the thing that makes me the most excited, yeah, because it has the effect really of expanding our usable property. We've had a good sized, uh, good sized area of our property, probably twenty. Acres or so yeah. that we were never able to enjoy because you just couldn't get to couldn't it. Couldn't get to it; it's too grown and over. And now we have a great trail that meanders through it, and we're just—I think—we're going to enjoy being able to wander up there. Yeah. Um, we also cut a connector from the north trail over to the spine trail, which will have the effect of opening up a good portion of our property that has here heretofore been unavailable to us. We took down some stumps all along the way, pushed down a few trees that were in the way and got rid of them, r- diverted a pond spillway that had become a little bit of a problem on one of our trails, and pushed down those stumps between the lodge site and the barn to mm-hmm. enable us to plant the figs and the pomegranates. So
0: we'll have a nice pretty area there uh, where we can plant those, those trees that you mentioned and hopefully get... Some good grass going, and there I think it should be centipede probably, because that's part of the be sort of like part of our yard. In a Perhaps sense. so. Yeah,
1: I, I'm not averse to that.
0: So we have that project in the spring facing us.
1: And uh, I need to talk about what you did last night.
0: Okay, go ahead. You know we've
1: got this <laughs> informal root cellar that we have fashioned in the storage room of the barn, and. It certainly wouldn't function that way in the summertime because in the summertime it's too hot.
0: But it's plenty cold now. <laughs>
1: but this time of year, through the winter, it has stayed a really good place to store veg over the winter. Right. And we've got um, we've been able to pull from the root cellar, sweet potatoes, pumpkins. Squash of all kinds. Yeah, winter squash. Yes. Yeah, butternut, delicata. um, What's the? We had one turban squash, squash,
0: spaghetti squash. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and we've just had a wonderful time pulling from the root cellar. Well, we're winding down now. There's relatively little left that's usable and one of the things that is usable is a couple of pumpkins and you put pressed one of them into service yesterday to yes. make pumpkin soup.
0: Mediterranean style pumpkin soup and it really was good. Tell and,
1: us what goes in your soup.
0: Uh well, let's see. I happen to have the recipe right here. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, just in general, there there are some Mediterranean style vegetables. It's uh, you know, roasted red pepper and you put some olive oil in there and some garlic and um a uh, oh, red onion but what I, we decided is that we've done the uh, version of it that you can adapt to central alabama and shopping in Tallahassee because um, i couldn't find leeks in the grocery store and i haven't been able to grow them here uh maybe in the future sometime but uh i was able to find scallions so we put scallions in instead of leeks. and they were delicious it's like the same thing exactly and uh Pulled some collards from the garden and put in there. Even though they're not Mediterranean, it made it really good.
1: And we decided we, you can put into that soup anything that's lovely and in season. And in our case, yeah, it was collards. It was
0: collards. That's right. And a little bit of cumin, you know, and some black pepper. And it just gave it a, and some, some chicken broth. Anyway, has a really good flavor and luckily made about nine quarts. So we'll have some we to have freeze. We have a lot of soup. Yeah, we'll be able to eat some Would in the Would you
1: allow me to post your recipe on the show notes? Sure. Page? I right.
0: adapted it from... Some website, I'm sure, but we've made enough adaptation that I'm willing to say it's ours. It's ours, (laughs) yeah. And
1: we will put that on the show notes page in case you would like to try it. Of course, you'll, in all likelihood, you'll want to cut the quantity because we we made a whole mess of it. We
0: made nine quarts. We filled up a new uh, purchase. It was actually my Valentine's your Valentine's gift. A big uh, nine quart lodge uh, cast iron.
1: Dutch oven. Dutch
0: oven. Yes, it was really good. So anyway, we we it got its initial uh it's initial cooking outing last night and it worked out very well.
1: And we hope that you are able to have a wonderful season of planting and that you and your family stay safe and happy. Until next week. Take care.
0: You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, Check in with Lee and Amanda and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.